If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to continue with a study of 1 John. And these next two verses are very searching. And uh, I've been studying these since I was on vacation. And uh, it really was search your soul. John says in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. May we pray. Father, open up our hearts and spiritual eyes that we can see the things of God and rejoice in the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is very, very searching this morning as I say. Love not the world. You know, our master said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. It refers to, cosmos refers to an order, ordered system, the world system of evil. Satan is the one who rules. He's called the God of this world, we're going to see. He says in John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. In verse 9 he says, John 17, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. In 2 Corinthians 7.10 Paul says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And James comes out pretty strong. You adulterers, you adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So we have to be careful whom we fellowship with. It's very searching. The friendship of the world. And sometimes each one of us, we tried, there's nothing, the Bible says to live peaceably with all men if possible. And we should try to live peaceably with all men. But we're not to fellowship the world in the sense of their sins and wickedness and ungodliness. That's what this is referring to. We should abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. It doesn't mean we're not to love our neighbor. The Bible says, love thy neighbors thyself. And we're to help and, and help others, even though they may be of the world. Satan is the head of this evil system. John fourteen thirty. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. 
Satan is called the prince of this world. He's referring to the world system of evil. As we're going to see as we go along. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world, small g, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now here's a prayer you can pray for those who are lost. You can pray that the light of the gospel, glorious gospel of Christ would shine into them. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined into our hearts, giving us the knowledge of glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what people need. They need the work of God in their hearts. And in Revelation 12, 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We see Satan is the god of this world. And you remember, as an illustration, I'll give you an illustration, the temptation of Christ. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, Again, the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountain, talking about Christ, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. Now here's how he tempted Christ. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And the Lord, John is telling us, love not the world. Now Jesus did not love the world system. He loved us which were in the world. And said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. He said, look at all the glory that you can have as a son of man. Look at all this glory. I'll give you all of this if you'll simply just bow down and worship me. And so many people today are worshiping Satan and don't even know it because they're obeying his wickedness and evil and committing sin and following in his steps. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Now we have to be on our guard, every one of us as Christians. When you do certain things, you give place to the devil. You put yourself in a situation you shouldn't be to be tempted, you're giving place to the devil. People who go with people who are not believers are giving place to the devil. If we make friendships with people of the world that are not Christians and who are living wicked and ungodly lives and we go to the same place they go to, we're giving place to the devil. We have to be on our guard. Love not, love not the world. Remember, godly love is of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It says in Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the love that we love God with cannot be the love that loves the world. A carnal love, a love that comes from the old nature, that's the love that loves the world. The love of the Holy Spirit cannot love the world. 
You can only love the things of God. It says in Romans 5, 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. As David quoted that verse this morning, we love him because he first loved us. Beloved, his love is what gives us love. Without God's love, we would have no love. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. See, love is the key to understanding 1 John. He said, if you hate your brother, you haven't been born again. Love and hate don't go together. We have the love of God in our hearts. So we love the family of God. We love our brothers in Christ, our sisters in Christ. We love one another because love is is its source is out of God. Paul says in Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Remember, when you have a spirit of fear, it's not of God as its source. It's of Satan. But a power and of love and a sound mind. Sound mind. If you've got a mind that's sound in the sense of making right decisions and biblical decisions and choosing between right and good and evil, between good and evil, that's, that's because God has given us a spirit to discern between good and evil. And that's where Satan wants to capture the young people's minds and our minds and, and clog us up and blind us to a certain extent that we can't make the right decisions between good and evil. It says in one of the scriptures they call evil good and they call good evil. And that's the way our society is going today. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith works by love. So without love, faith cannot be cannot work. It has love as the foundation, even of faith. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. This world system lieth in wickedness and Satan. Who's controlling the governments of this world? In a sense, the wickedness and choices they make. Satan. He's the prince and power of the air. He's the God, small g, of this world system. And they're making their decisions according to his will. What's going on in our government is by design of Satan. He wants to destroy the United States of America that we have no influence in the world. His design, I would say in the future, is to punish God's people through suffering. He's always, he's always hated God's people because we are the image of Christ and he hates Christ. Look how the early Christians suffered. They were fed to lions. They were beaten. They were hung on trees. They were nailed to the cross. They were threw off mountains. The children were slaughtered. Satan's hatred for God's people is, you, you can't imagine how he hates us. No wonder Peter said that, uh, be vigilant, be sober, because your adversary is a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy each one of us. No exceptions. 
And this is why Paul gave us the admonition in Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We don't want to conform our behavior and our actions according to the spirit of this world. We're to, conform, we're to be transformed and follow the spiritual things of the word of God and to follow Christ. A renewed mind can only follow Christ. This natural mind, the mind that's depraved and wicked, cannot follow Christ. You cannot please God, and neither indeed can you please God in the flesh. What does grace teach us? Grace teaches us in Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying, there's things that we should deny. Ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Some people say, well, I'm going to heaven, so I can just live any way I want here. That's not what Christ taught. Christ said, you're to live godly now. Grace doesn't teach us to sin. Grace doesn't say, well, you're saved now. It doesn't matter what you do. No. Grace says, grace teaches us denying ungodliness. Anything that God's not in is ungodly. Worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I don't want you to miss that thought there in this present world. Paul says, when time passed, you walked according to the course of this world. We all did it one time. We were the servants of sin. Now we're the servants of righteousness. We all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were born as sinners and we'll live sinners, and we'll follow the course of this world, we'll be worldly, ungodly, walking in the world system until we're born of the Spirit. And God said to brought His love in our hearts. And then we love Him. And we want to keep His commandments. We want to please Him. Neither the things that are in the world. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians seven thirty one. And they that use the world is not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away. Now we use the world, but we're not to abuse it or misuse it. Now think what he's getting at here. We're not to love the things of earth more than we love God. Now we have homes, which is our shelter. We have food. We have raiment. These are the things that we need. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We pray for certain needs. These are natural. But even natural things can become a stumbling block to us. We, here's where we have to be careful. Now there's two ways the world is, in, is in brought out. First of all, there's the world system of wickedness and evil. Secondly, it's loving the things of the world in place of God. And I'll give you an example. The Bible has examples for about everything we need to, re, to teach God's people. And he spake a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, Then this will I do. 
I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall things be? These things be which thou hast provided. So it is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. The thought is we're not to trust in our resources. We're to trust in God. Now some people uh, work and work and work and work to provide a nest egg. Now there's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes your main ambition, your affections, that's all that you think about, and you, have no, you don't think about God and the things of God, you're not laying up treasures in heaven, now you're abused in the things of the world. And we all have to be guilty. Or be careful and not be guilty of doing that. We have to be careful. And I would say, I guess we're all guilty in some, sometimes in our lives of doing that. Getting our affection too much on this earth. You know, it's easy, somebody says, we get our roots too deep in the earth, in this world. And we have to be careful. Remember, we're strangers and pilgrims. Some people collect cars. And that hobby possesses them to the point that's all they live for. Get a new car, another car, another car, another car. It possesses them. And that's the thing that God is telling us. Don't let the things of earth possess you. You possess them, but don't let them possess you. And that's the danger. That's why Paul said in Colossians 3, 2, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. In other words, don't let your, your, your affection be just on the things of the world. Let your affections be on things above. Christ said, where your treasure is, is where your heart is. We have to be so careful in our Christian walk with God. He said in 1 John 5, 21, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. In other words, anything that we put before God becomes an idol. It could be a wife, a husband, our children, our grandchildren, ourselves. You know, Christ said, let a man deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We need to deny ourselves, abandon yourself. Don't worship yourself. Don't put yourself before me. Deny yourself. Put me first. And we all have to be on a guard there. It's so easy to do these things, we don't even realize it. Then he comes down in verse 15 and says, this is where he gets real searching here. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You mean if I love anything of the world, the love of God's not in me? Now the key to understanding these verses is this. That is, he that has an habitual love for the world and no love for God, the love of God's not in him. A person who has no interest in God, no love for God, no time for God, all he lives for is this world. What God is saying, the love of God's not in that person. If he, if it was, he would love God. What's the evidence of being born again? We love God. And we love the children of God. So don't misunderstand sometimes we read these verses. Well, none of us are saved then. Because we all at times love the world. But we don't habitually love the world. 
And God deals with us with sons and daughters. And when we start loving the world the wrong way, God deals with us as sons and daughters and brings out his uh, rod and deals with us and chastens us and makes us miserable until we repent and come back to him. And I do believe, and I believe this sincerity, that every God-bought child of God who goes into sin, God will bring them back. I believe that. It might take six months, it might take a year, it might take two years, but their life's going to be miserable Our lives will be miserable if we don't put God first in our life. He says this in 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now here is where it really gets searching too. This is a searching verses. I had to wiggle all week studying this out. The lust of the flesh is the first one we look at. Lust is a craving, a passion and desire, good or evil, according to the context. Here it refers to evil cravings. Evil cravings. Flesh, which refers to the total depraved nature. It's not talking about the body. There's no sin in this body. Remember that. Sin is in our fallen nature. And the nature uses our body to commit sin. But there's no inherent evil in matter. Our body is made up of matter. That was the teaching of Gnosticism, which John deals with in this chapter. Flesh, which here refers to the total depraved nature, a passion and desire, or the craving that comes from the evil Nature, And this is what each one of us has to deal with. You say, what do I have to deny myself, Lord? You have to deny yourselves when these evil desires come upon you and you feel them trying to come forth in your life. You have to deny those desires and say, no. That's not of God. That's of the devil. It's of the fallen nature. And I must say no to the flesh. I must deny myself. Now, this is where it becomes real. It's a challenge. It's not, it's not just simple. It's really a test, uh, you being tested. And the hard part about this to understand, James says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. I don't know, James, I find that hard to do sometimes, to count it all joy. Yeah. And remember, it comes from your evil nature. The word flesh here has no reference to the physical body. Remember that. It has no reference to the physical body. As that body is controlled by the evil. And that's what we have to remember. Now I had a note here. To say that the physical body of itself has evil desires is teaching genocidism. The heresy that matter is inherited evil, inherently evil. In other words, our body is evil. So they didn't care what you do. You could do anything you wanted because it was of the body. No, it comes from a fallen nature. It comes from this nature. And we, and we sometimes, we, just, we don't distinguish between the flesh, which is our physical body. My eyes are not, don't commit evil. It's the evil desires we're going to see that causes evil. When I look upon a forbidden subject and desire that forbidden subject, then I'm committing evil.
So sometimes when it speaks about out of the heart comes these evil things, it's not talking about our physical heart because that would be teaching Gnosticism. It's talking about the spiritual being, the center, the center of our very soul is where these things come from. They come out of this fallen nature, the very center of our soul and this fallen nature that we have. There is where evil comes from. And the next thing he brings out, the lust of the eyes. Now what does that make you think about in the book of Genesis? Eve. Remember Eve? What was, what was it that got her? The lust of the eye. It says, the passionate cravings of the eyes for satisfaction from the evil nature. Now the thing about Eve we don't quite understand she had no evil nature at the time, but when she made the choice and disobeyed God and reached for that fruit, she was a sinner before she ever got to the fruit. Because it started in the heart. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And here's where he's going to test the woman. Now I'm going to come down to verse 6 to save time. And when the woman saw, now here's the eye, lust of the eye. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. See, Satan's always going to put something before us that's pleasant. If he's going to tempt you, he's going to tempt you with something that you, you'll desire. And we have to remember that. Pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired it's going to be something that you're going to desire. But it's going to be forbidden. See, Satan always presents things to you and I that are forbidden, but he wants us to take them and desire it. Then he knows we've fallen from our steadfastness. And we have to be on our guard. A tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. She took. See the danger of temptation. First she saw, present to the eye. Then she desired. Then what happens next? Once he puts the bait out there and you desire, what are you going to do? Like the fish, you're going to grab it. See how Satan works? Through the eyes, through the desires, and then you take. And you go back and check your own temptations in your life and you can see how that works. First you see something. Then you desire it. And if you dwell on it long enough, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, you'll take it. And that's what we have to be on our guard for those who are brothers and sisters in Christ because sin hardens the heart. The more you stay in sin, the more harder you get. The more harder. Sin hardens the heart. So we have to keep that in, in, our, in our memory. The eye gate. And remember when, when Satan tempted the Lord in verse 8 of chapter 4. Again, the devil taketh him up into the exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. It was a vision. It was through his eyes, through his imaginary he could see all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them but there was no inward temptation in Christ to yield to sin 
because he put the Father's will first, not what I will. Remember, he said, get behind me, Satan. Thou sayest the things of man, not the things of God. So see, this eye gate vision is what Satan even tempted our Lord with. Now you must remember when it comes to temptation as a source, where does temptation come from? Not from God. James says in James 1, 13 and 15, let no man say when he's tempted, now he's talking about a source, an inward source of evil, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now that settles it. I believe what God says. God says he doesn't tempt you and I inwardly to choose evil. Now he may present a temptation to us, an outward temptation, and then we choose that. He's trying our faith. But inward temptation comes from, as you're going to see, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. See how again it fits into the garden? You see it, you desire it, and you take it. And once it says, and then when lust hath conceived, see, Eve conceived sin in her heart, and then she took. It bringeth forth sin, see, that's when she was a sinner, and sin when it's finished brings forth death. Death. The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Because the eating was an evidence of their sin from within, the corruption. And that's why Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.22, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. As a young person growing up in the world, youth brings on temptations. They're filled with passions and desires and are growing, developing into manhood, to womanhood, and there's temptations that, will, that fits that age group more than it does other groups, and they have to be on their guard. Flee, also youthful lust. You remember the story of Joseph. And the wife of his master, it says in Genesis 39, 12, and she called him by the garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Flee youthful lust. See, there's sometimes you resist the devil. And there's sometimes you like Joseph, you flee. Joseph knew his own corruption. He knew his weakness. He knew he was a man. And he knew the only way to get victory in this, in this particular moment was flee. Get away from her. Run. And sometimes in our lives, we have to stand against the devil. And other times we have to flee out of the presence of evil. And that's, that's another illustration that we can see how God gives us illustrations. From the word of God. Another thing we see is the pride of life. Vain glory. And we all have to be careful with this. Brother David. Vain glory. 
You know, it speaks about a young minister that he's not a novice. At least he'd be lifted up with pride and fall into the snare of the devil. Now, even we as older ministers have to be careful. We've got to be on our guard that we don't get lifted up with pride. We always, Satan can take the simplest things, the good things, and make them be, become our enemy. We have to be so careful. The vainglory means vain assurance of trusting in one's own power and own resources. I'll read that again. Vainglory, pride of life, means vain assurance of trusting in one's own power and own resources. Referring to that which sustains life, namely food, clothing, and shelter, then we should be trusting in these things. All good gifts and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, and there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. To the child of God, all these things are being added to us out of the Father. Of the Father means ek, ek, out of. It is out of the Father as a source, not out of the world as a source. Those living in the world depend upon the world to provide all their needs. They don't look to God for their needs. They look to the world. They look to themselves. I'm sufficient. I've laid up my barn here. Look at all the stuff I got. They're trusting in their resources. But you know, it can be like this tornado can come by and all of a sudden wipe out everything. One tornado. And then all their resources are gone. Let us, and there's nothing wrong with riches. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying, we shouldn't trust in our riches. Even our riches as a source is from God. God provides our, our needs and he provides our riches. But at the same time, we shouldn't trust in uncertain riches, which Christ said the thief can break through and steal and this and that. But we should lay up treasures in heaven where they can't break through and steal. So vainglory is trusting in your own strength, your own merit, your own treasures on earth instead of trusting in God your Father. It could be we're trusting in our Social Security. We're trusting in our 401K. We're trusting into our bank accounts. We're trusting into what we've laid up. But as some countries have learned the hard way, like Poland and some of these countries, they lost everything. Their property, their homes, their bank accounts, they lost everything when communism took over. And who knows what could happen in our country. No wonder Paul says, set your affections on things above. I know I've heard Roger preach many sermons on that text. Where Christ set up on the right hand of God. Now this is just a warning to each of us. This vain glory is one of the things we have to be so careful about. We think we're sufficient to handle the situation. Instead of putting on the armor of God, I can handle the devil. I don't need the armor of God. You know, we get a little bit proud and a little bit, oh boy, I know how to deal with the devil. The devil sitting back, aha, uh-huh, I'm going to teach him a lesson, you know. We have to be on our guard. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And Paul said, my, our sufficiency is of God, not of ourselves. You're not sufficient to face the devil 
We're not sufficient to face the world. We're not sufficient to face the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and, and the pride of life. Only with God's grace and strength can we overcome these things, beloved. The world passeth away. To pass alongside, to pass by, the world is being caused to pass by. God is causing the world to come to its end. We, we are living in the age when the world is soon going to come to an end. When the elements of the world shall be burned up and there shall be new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Beloved, the world is passing away and all the things that are in the world. So what is left? The treasures that you've laid up in heaven. How many treasures have we laid up in heaven? Because where your heart is, is where your treasure is. And we all have to say, oh me, sometimes. But it just shows we need to get our, get our eyes more on the Lord and the things of God. All of us do. What can I do for the glory of God? What can I do to honor God in my life? If God has bestowed much upon you, then bestow much on the work, on the things of God. If God, and remember, one had one talent, one had five talents, and one had ten talents. But each one that master told him, go and, and put my money to the usury that I might gain interest. So when he came back, the one that had did ten had gained ten more. The one that had five had gained five more. And he told him, enter thou into the joy of the Lord, thy faithful servant. I'll make you more over ten cities now, five cities. But the one who had the one talent buried it in the ground and didn't do anything. Lord, I was afraid I would waste your money, so I buried it in the ground. Well, he got judged very harshly for that. It it, It matters what God gives you. Use what God gives you. God doesn't ask no more. God doesn't ask. He wants you to use what he's given you. Remember, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of God. Why should we love not the world? Because we're not of the world. Why should we reject the lust of the flesh? Because it sins against God. Why should we reject the lust of the eye? Because it brings us into a trap. Why should we reject the vain glory of life? Because that's the spirit Satan had. He was proud and lifted up. And boasted himself above the most high God. And he was cast down to earth. Oh beloved these are just a few thoughts that I bring to your attention on 1 John. There's so much in this. As I studied this out I said boy there's a lot in this verse. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 and 17. Love not the world. That's not an advice it's a command. When you love, that's like saying you either love God or love the devil. Everything under God you can put and everything under the devil, one of the first things under the devil is the world and the world system. And even the good things he gives us, food and raiment and health and money and riches and things, those can become traps to us. If we put those things above God, that's the key Keeping your eye focused on Christ, your treasures in heaven, and everything Christ first in your life, no matter what it is. And it's hard sometimes when you read the scriptures. He said, he that loveth father, a mother, or children, or wife, or anything above me is not worthy of me. 
What's he saying? Don't put your affections on these things more than you do on me. We do love God first. Love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. That's what God wants from each one of us. Nothing wrong with loving your wife. You're supposed to. God commands it. Enough with, nothing wrong with the wife loving her husband. God commands it and our children. But not before him. That's the key. May we pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we haven't even touched the surface. Just brought out a few thoughts concerning these verses. There's so much in there. We each one have to guard our thoughts, guard our hearts, guard our eyes, what we look upon, what we see, what we desire when we're tempted. And we must search the scriptures that we can discern between good and evil. We must abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. And Paul said to follow after righteousness, the righteous things, the good things, anything pure, anything lovely, anything a good report to think on these things. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and died and gave himself for us. In his name we do pray and thank you for your goodness. Amen. Amen. Does someone have a song in closing?